This is Kurt, and this is the MFG Cast. guys another guys and gals everyone i always say guys you know it's like obviously we're all people we're all different races we're all different men and women i always say guys you know it's it's like when i call my wife dude i'm like why am i calling oh, you no, dude it's certainly yeah no i i still have that uh problem for me it's a regional thing where like i greet every table working in a restaurant like hey guys how's it going well, can i get you something to drink so i i feel that yeah, yeah. I just, I wish I could get get away from that, but it's just, there's just so many things that I just, I'm always going to do, you know? Yeah. I, you know, the one thing I wish I, I, I wish I did that I don't do anymore is I wish I said rad more because I love that word so much. You can much. bring it back. Bring back rad. Oh, yeah, but then I'm going to be that rad. old guy. I'm going to be that old guy that's trying to bring, bring back rad and I just, I don't know. That's fine. Or it never went anywhere. That is true. That's true. Maybe it'll just be one of those things where it's like, you know, the people that don't know me that well would be like, maybe it's just something that I had in my repertoire the whole time, and you just haven't seen it until now. So Exactly, exactly. exactly. Yeah. So welcome to the MFG cast, where we're rad. Oh, yeah. God, that's awful. That's awful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so another week, I've got another special guest. As I said in our, our last episode, I wanted to talk to more people that I respected that were content creators and I wanted to have on and talk about some stuff. This is someone that we've actually had on the podcast before, and but mm-hmm. that was in the fantasy improv realm, and we weren't able to be able to speak, you know, mano y mano, but mm-hmm. uh, it's awesome to have him on. He is from All My Fantasy Children. He is my favorite off-Broadway performer. He also, for some reason, when I was Googling your name, and we'll have to talk about this, maybe it's maybe it's a clone of yours, I saw that you have an IMDB credit. I don't know if this is real or not. We'll have to oh, see Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yes, it is real. I can tell. Sweet. I can't wait to talk about it. I just punched it. my microphone it's... accidentally. My mistake. Sweet, sweet. You were just so mad. You're like, microphone, you will take this, and you will like it. <laughs> Aaron Catano Saez. Aaron, thanks for coming on. Hey, everybody. No problem. Thanks for having me. This is cool. Of course, of course. I'm very excited to be here. Oh, I appreciate that. So we're gonna we're gonna find out a little yeah. bit more about how Aaron ticks. We're gonna be talking a little bit about him, but also we want to talk about some character creation and world building stuff because that's kind of. More of what my what I know about your forte, you know, with working with all my fantasy children. So we're gonna kind of 
speak on that also and just kind of go from there. Um, I had lots of stuff written down. You know what? I'm going to I'm gonna tell you right away that it was boring as shit. It really was. Hey, you, know, you never know. I, you, ever, you always think that, that what you have written down is boring. And then you say it, and then you listen back and you're like, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> that is you true. Know? That is true. It pro- it's probably not that bad. Yeah, but but like <laughs> like when I was writing it, I was falling asleep. Does that does that, oh. is that a good well, thing or a bad thing? you know, that's... It, that's pretty bad. Okay. Okay. Good. As long as you agree. <laughs> but yeah. So you know, when it comes to, we like to get to know how people get into gaming and stuff like that. And unfortunately for me, I don't know much about how you got into gaming because you know I've listened to all my fantasy children, and I don't know if I've ever heard the background of how you got into it. And the only couple references I know from is from your podcast partner. Jeff Stormer's party of one where you've been on there a few times. So, you know, how did, how did little, little Aaron or even a bigger Aaron, because I don't know when you started, yeah. how'd you get into gaming? I was in college. So I was definitely like a, a quote adult, but Jeff invited me to play Dungeons and Dragons with, uh, we have a bunch of mutual friends like that. We've been hanging out for a long time, like watching movies in college. And then Jeff was like, we're actually going to play Dungeons and Dragons do you want to come? And I'm like, I have no idea how. I would think it was like 19. It was the first time I played. Nice. And, you know, if it was pretty much like if you knew Jeff, like I had known Jeff by then for four years, I knew that he played Dungeons & Dragons. I knew it, just, it was a game of imagination, but I didn't know anything really about it. So, yeah, Jeff brought me into tabletop and kind of showed me the ropes of like, this is D&D, this is how you make a character. He rolled up my first bard. And we went from there, yeah. So it's all Jeff's fault. He brought me into it. <laughs> nice. So when you when you did your bard, did you go full bard? Did you go half bard? I mean, where you know, was it one of these things where you're like, okay, this sounds interesting in concept, and then when you finally did it, you're like, um, somebody tell me what I'm supposed to do. Yes, because I didn't know what because the thing is I didn't know what, what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do because mm-hmm. they're like you can do anything, you know, you're <laughs> you're only limited by your own creativity. And so I would just like look up bard spells. I was obsessed with casting spells because I thought that's what you do. I didn't know anything. <laughs> so all I did was try to charm person and fascinate over and over because I didn't know I could use a bow and I was afraid I didn't roll my stats right so my health was way too low <laughs> and so I was afraid to fight so I just kept using fascinate it was just a mess <laughs> I had no idea what to do I was just getting carried by my party members nice nice so I can't even say I went full anything <laughs> I just sat in the back and was like uh fascinate <laughs> charm person uh and I knew how to intimidate and that's it. Nice. It was rough. It wasn't glamorous. It wasn't like, you know, people are like, the first time I played a tabletop game, I soared like an ego. It was like the most freeing. I was so terrified and I sucked so bad because I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know what a check was. Like, I just didn't know anything because we just played D&D, I think, 3.5, mm. I think, was what we what we played. Yeah, yeah. And I knew nothing. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I don't know. It's the weird thing is, is it's funny when it comes to like anything in life, you know, people always say like, oh, make sure you're prepared, make sure you do this and make sure you do that. Like, I love just, I love the stories of, of that, just going in and not knowing what the hell is going on and just being like, you know what, it's just, it's just me being an idiot or just me just like, just trying to do my best because I feel like, like that, I don't know, it's, it's. 
you, no, that's definitely the wisest way to go about it. Is like jump in with, uh, you know, with both feet yeah. or like jump in head first. But I was a kid, like you know, I was nineteen, and everybody else had been playing for a long time. Oh, yeah. And that is something that sh- I was shook. Like they were friends of mine, but you know, when people are waiting for you to rifle through the book, <laughs> you know, you feel that pressure to just be like, "Fuck it, skip me, pass." <laughs> uh, I, I, I sit down. Yeah. You know, you, you know. So that's why I was like scared. It was just I wanted to do a good job because you have all these ideas in your head, like of what you're gonna do. Probably the first time you play tabletop, you're like, "I'm gonna fight everything. I'm gonna cast so many spells." And then you have the moment of, "Why well, are that's not really how that works?" Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Oh, because there are some limitations in the forms of rules." Especially in D&D. And if you don't know kind of the realm of limitations, like, it's kind of hard. It's just hard. Everything kind of blew, not blew up in my face. It was dramatic. But I just didn't know what to do. I was kind of just lost. I was like a lost puppy. So I would recommend jumping in with both feet. But also having a friend, having people, like, it's like having a babysitter. Like, you should have babysitters with you if it's your first time playing. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I feel like most most people that run D and D, you know, have have you know a way of being like, okay, if you need that help, you know, we're there for you and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, was it something? Even though this was kind of a weird, like you know, like not the best start to it. You know, was it something that you you found the love for it right away, or is it did it take you a long time yeah. to get there? You know, was it something where Jeff just kept pulling you along, going, "You're gonna like this eventually," you know, and no, no, I really loved it. I like, uh, I do enjoy the challenge of, I do like learning new things. So the tabletop was definitely a learning thing for me. It's mm-hmm. not something I, it's not something to this day. I'm still not particularly good at playing. It. Yeah. I'm good at like the, you know, the character creation and like the actual, I've never, I, I like playing tabletop games. It's not my favorite thing. My favorite thing is making the world and figuring out, um, you know, like I watch lore videos from like, you know, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Destiny, like things like that to learn more about what like really good writers and what goes into building these worlds. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with that aspect of it. Of um, I described it in the show is like every time you want more Tolkien, it's there for you because someone has written more lore mm-hmm. to go down. Like, oh, there's a culture of people. Do you want to know their entire history? Like, because it exists. I love that level of work. And then I love when you play a game when you're like you go into it when it's not just a dragon's lair. When it's like this is the lair of this like. Have you played Skyrim? I have. Skyrim is very much for me that where it's like a lot of the places have a deep history. Yeah. It's not just a town. It's like a town that has this and these are the type of people that live in it. And this is what they worship. Like I love those kind of details that you just, you know, they're just fun. And also it helps you kind of immerse yourself and it makes the story easier to tell. Mm-hmm. That's always been my my core principle with tabletop type stuff where it's like if you have those things in place if the world is laid out and you have fun details and explanations you kind of can just walk through and the story can tell it it doesn't tell itself but it's a lot easier to know you know it's a lot easier to make your next move and kind of like you're making informed decisions rather than just random arbitrary decisions Mm -hmm. as you're playing the game yeah 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 i like that it's it's funny because, like, even though you probably would never do it, you would be, I I think you would be a good 
dungeon master or GM or whatever you would like to call it because you want to tell those stories. You know, you probably, yeah, like you, I can tell you, you like the story part, but then, you know, when it comes to the fighting and stuff like that, or like stuff like that, you'd probably be like, okay, let's skip that. Let's just get back to, you know, let's just get back to I love why, why this guy has an anger towards this girl or whatever, <laughs> no, you know? No, no, that doesn't, it's true. It's, it's not necessarily true. It's just, that's where the dense mechanics usually come in mm-hmm. and I get intimidated by those. <laughs> and that's usually my problem with my, my joke is like, I don't play tabletop games. I just talk about them because it's one thing to be able to tell a good story, but then you also have to, I, I, it is, it's my understanding that you have to have a pretty solid understanding of gameplay mechanics to be a good GM or be a functional GM. I I don't know. It sounds like it or it looks like it when it's like, you know, you know, if I'm going to fucking throw a magic spell at something, it's like, well, does that manticore have magic resistance? Because you got to do that math. But it also depends on the game and you have to learn the game. And it was just always for me, like, I just it, it kind of it's not from a place of laziness, just kind of like I don't care. And that's when I go, I'd rather just be a player in the campaign. Like, I'd, yeah. I'd love to DM or GM, whatever. I'd yeah. love to. I'd, I'm dying to. But I don't want to yeah. learn a fucking game. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> that's just yeah. kind of how well, I feel. And yeah, and I'm in the I, same boat. And I, I think that I'm sorry to cut you off there. But, like, I feel like that's there. That's the one thing that kind of keeps me from being a GM or whatever. Because... You know, I want to like GM a D&D game, but I also want to break the D&D game and be like, you know, we don't have to keep sticking to all these stats and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just like, yes, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, let's tell the story. Let's do some things. And you know what? We don't have to stick to all these certain rules because I have a I have a friend that says that he's not a rules lawyer, but he is. You know, it's like one of those things where like as soon as he he's like. But what about this? I'm like, I don't fucking care. I want to yeah. do this thing next. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't have to keep referencing these things. Just let's stick to this story, you know. And I know that, like, there's tools like Powered by the Apocalypse games. And, like, there's different ways than just, like, rolling D20s to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I know that, like, gameplay mechanics enhance the storytelling if you do it right. I am just like I I also am very much a person where like I don't want to play unless I'm with a group of people I like trust a lot. Yeah. You know, otherwise I just like, you know, I've played the random pickup games at like Gen Con and it was kind of, it was fun like the GM was fucking slaying it, but the people I was with it's not that good rat-a-tat there's not that kind of like cooperative because the whole fucking playing a tabletop games like you know, it can be like a fun give and take improv scenario where you like one person can't just fucking drive the car the entire way. Like you have to pass the ball. You know what I mean? In my opinion. Yeah. And that that's what I want in terms and out of a story out of a role playing game mm-hmm. is like a really cool, immersive experience where everybody takes turns. Everybody is nice. Everybody is respectful. And then there's also this is another topic that to bring up it. It, there's this this pressure where it's if you're playing a tabletop game where like I know me I would go well, what if this was a podcast like you know that that itch to turn it into a project mm-hmm. I uh, I suffer from that kind of uh, mentality too often where I get a hold of something I fall in love with it and I go how can I turn this into a project mm-hmm. yeah exactly so I like you know everybody's always like oh what are, is there ever going to be a campaign in the world of all my fantasy children I'm like I'd love to do that. I don't want to write a fucking source book. 
you know, for, you know, for, you know, I, I don't have the time. And also, I don't know how. And also, like, I don't want to turn it into that. That's not what it is. But like that, that it calls to me and I worry about that. Yeah. So I love playing tabletop games. But I know if I ever were to get in like, uh, I, I would love to be on an actual play one day. Mm-hmm. But then I go like, I don't want to edit it. I don't want to. <laughs> I enjoy I like I want to enjoy it. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. I want to have that experience where you just like fucking stop yeah you know where it doesn't turn into a thing that you have to market and then you have to do this and that's that's just my personality where i grab onto something and i can't fucking let go and it's like you know and i i got i played masks on protean city and they were like all right good job and i was like but when's the next one when are, when do you need me to record again and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about aaron like god just let it go i know, I know. it would be nice to have that stuff just readily, readily available wouldn't it i mean it would just be yeah, so, oh, i mean just be able to pick up and play something whenever you want you can and i understand that that's like very possible like you know yeah. it's it's very doable to do that but for me i find it i find it difficult mm-hmm. uh, and it's a sad thing that i find it difficult to do things like Unless it's in person. In person, I can play tabletop games just for fun. Mm-hmm. On the internet, I'm like, I have no interest. <laughs> I like hanging out with people in real life and playing them a lot more yeah. than like just for fun on Roll20. Yeah. You know, like I love looking someone in the face, making jokes, eating snacks, you know, taking a cell phone break, mm-hmm. you know, shit like that rather than the kind of formality of sitting on the computer yeah. it stresses me out eh, i just i don't know i've gone off on a tangent yeah, no, that's okay. but this is to answer your question well, of just like, let you know why i don't really play tabletop games that yeah. often well and it's to, i mean in person only kind of yeah. person and it, it really shouldn't i will tell you that much like i agree with you i would rather be in front of someone playing a game than online doing it but now that i also have a podcast where i can do that and I don't have any friends around here that want to play tabletop. Um, true, true, You know, true. that part's hard. You know, and having this avenue, it's nice to be able to go. And believe me, this also stresses me way the fuck out. Is to, like, yeah. you know, even, like, asking, like, the, the one time you're on the Fantasy Improv and I'm asking five different people. And I'm like, I just want yeah. three. If I can get three. Like, I want them all. But if I can just get yeah. three, I'm a good. But also... Like, my stomach hurts, I'm sweating, my heart is palpitating. Like, I don't want to... I'm the kind of person that even when I ask somebody that I'm really good friends with, I'm like, just just don't make me sad, you know, let me down easy. Like, so that's the first thing I'm always thinking of is, like, you're never... Like, they're not going to want to play. I'm just bugging the crap out of people. But but it's... it's But also, when it actually happens and it... it, it for the most part, I don't think I've ever had anything go not well. You know, it's just it's, no, it's like a it's nice always release. a great time. Mm-hmm. I always have. I am a. I hesitate to do things like I, as much as I am like a performer and I'm an actor and all that stuff. Yeah. I do hesitate to jump off the diving board, mm-hmm. and it's always been my way. And like, there's there's this part of tabletop, even online, in person, whatever, mm-hmm. where it's very much. You, you know, you can't really hide behind much when you're playing that. It's not like you're unless you're in a fucking LARP, you know, Mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, that's great. Never done one of those. But like in a a tabletop setting, I prefer in any kind of performancey type setting, I prefer to hide behind a character. And in tabletop, it's a little harder to do because it's like you it's like turning the volume up on the character and then you turn it back down. You're Aaron again. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the part where I I don't like being on display. It makes me anxious. 
And that's why I, that's what I do. I get stressed out. Yeah. Oh my God. This like, uh, it's like performance anxiety Yeah. because people are like, you know, you're funny, Aaron, you're a performer. You'd be great in this tabletop game. And I'm like, fuck, I do. Th- I like fantasy stuff and you know, any kind of nerdy shit to like escape real life. So it's this weird mixture of real life and imagination that has never necessarily like clicked easy with me. And I know it would come practice, but it's just something that like, that's why I avoid it. It stresses me out way too much because I mean, I, I, I'd love to play it in person. That's why I said with people I like inherently trust because this is like become like Aaron's like sad corner. Like this is why I don't play tabletop games, but it's, but it's just like that. Yeah. It's just, I don't know if any, Hey listeners below comment, uh, comment in the comment section below. If you feel the same way I do No, but it's, uh, it's definitely, that's the reason why I'm very much like, I joke about like, I refuse to play tabletop games. It's honestly because I'm like scared. It is scary to me Mm -hmm. to jump in and be like, all right, everybody ready? Go like in. No, I can't do it. (laughs) Well, I'd rather just talk about it. I love this. I like talking about how the sausage gets made. I don't want anybody watching me make the fucking sausage. (laughs) It's why people like people have asked, like, will you ever have guests on all my family children? I'm like, God, no, (laughs) because the only person I can talk to about that kind of stuff is Chad. You know, like I have that comfort when we're discussing things. Yeah. That I don't think I could have with anybody else, and so part of it would come off like false. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, when you have when you have a friend like Jeff, where you've been friends forever, you click. You know, you you yeah. know each other. You you know you know exactly what the other's thinking. Like I can tell from like let's see how many how many years are you guys at now with AMFC? Is it two? Or three? Uh, in July it'll be three. three. Okay, it's crazy. I know that is crazy. It's awesome. I love it. You know, when it comes to you guys, you know, making up characters and, you know, making up this world in All My Fantasy Children, like, you can tell that you guys have been friends forever because it's one of those things where it's like, and I hate to put it as this, but it's like, it's like when you have like, you know, like a twin brother or you have like Mm -hmm. one of those things where it's like, you know, you finish each other's sentences, you know, it's like one of those things that like, Jeff will suggest something. You'd be like, yes. Like, you know, exactly. Like he, obviously he's thinking the same thing you're thinking. And then you guys get into it, you know, and it, it's funny because you'll both kind of have that moment too, where you'll both be like, oh yeah, that's totally what it is. Like you're, you're kind of shocked, but you're also delighted. And, and it's like, you didn't yeah. know that was going to happen, but you knew it was going to happen because you know each other really well to, you know, it's do true. that. He he still like Jeff is I think it's because of both of the backgrounds we have like we come from the same relative like the same hometown more or less mm-hmm. and the same kind of like you know we grew up enjoying the Simpsons and enjoying fiction but not the same kinds because Jeff was very much more like Star Wars Star Trek Dungeons and Dragons and I was very much more of like anime and Japanese RPGs and so it's but when we get together, Jeff and I have always enjoyed what in my head, it's like rolling the snowball down the hill and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. That's always what our jokes have been. Like when we'd be driving and we would see, you know, something funny out the window, it would become a fictional scenario. We're joking about it, laughing about it. And it just keeps escalating and escalating and escalating until it's not funny anymore. And then we yeah. move on. And so, and, and then we found this cool thing where it's like, 
we're kind of not thinking about we're thinking about the same thing but going about it because our rule has always been like you know just bring yourself to the stories Mm -hmm. like don't try to manufacture what are you thinking what's the first thing you thought of bring it out and then we'll go from there because the fun the fun of it is jeff doesn't think in anime Mm -hmm. or jrpg like i do you know and that's a good thing because he doesn't have that immediate point of reference like i i was just i was just re-listening to an episode where jeff somebody brought to my attention they're like oh jeff was pretty much talking about doctor who and jeff was like yeah more or less i have no idea doctor who so in that episode i'm like oh that's great so they have a companion they travel the cosmos because for me i'm coming at it with a blank slate And it's kind of like you get to this sounds so pretentious, but like deconstruct what the kind of formula of Doctor Who is because I don't I'm not familiar with it. And Jeff is. Mm -hmm. And there's this give and take back and forth of someone very familiar and someone kind of learning what it is for the first time and coming at it with a blank slate. And that's kind of how every episode has worked where I say, what are you thinking? Because I'm thinking and it's always like a big dramatic like a magic blade that conjure you know summons a magic storm and jeff will be like okay so why do they have that do they did that mean they incite violence i'm like oh my god i never would have thought of it that way and it's this kind of uh really cool thing that comes from i i always just refer to it as how the episodes get made is um like a level of creative trust Mm -hmm. where I know Jeff's idea is going to be good and you have to respect it. Like we can do, if you have that trust, you can do it's, it is what the person suggested. It's not what the person suggested. It's neither or it's both. And you have to have that level of comfort if you're going to go about this kind of improv story building thing where it's not just yes and because like we did that for a while. We talked about this Another time where it's like we tried doing you say yes to everything, Mm. you know, that old that old improv chestnut and it came it ended up becoming sort of not what Jeff and I do. It wasn't it wasn't real for us because when we're, you know, when we're going and like there's an idea like, okay, I'm editing an episode right now where I'm like, okay, so this character, the main character is wrong because, you know, they they were idealistic and this and that. And Jeff is like, but what if they weren't wrong, Aaron? Like, they're not wrong. And he takes his twist on it. And I'm like, oh, God, you're right. It's neither. And I, that's a wild tangent. I've gone way off. But <laughs> the, the kind of the, the, the point that I'm getting at is in order for me to get to that, like, you know, in, in grad school, we call it like when you're really in the zone and acting and you're not like thinking about your choices, you you have your blocking and your, you know, your lines so down packed that you're just like living in that character's body. Mm-hmm. My professor called it being on the river where you're kind of just on your back floating down a river and like mm-hmm. seeing where it takes you. Yeah. It, it To get to that point with Jeff and I, it took about 60 episodes mm-hmm. to get to a comfortable place where we can really flow and flow and flow and flow, reach a point where we go, okay, that feels like a good place to finish. Let's roll on some tables. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the point of this is. There's no there's no lesson I'm imparting to your <laughs> listeners or anything. I'm kind of just talking about how all my fantasy children is made, and I hope it doesn't come off as arrogant or pretentious. No, it doesn't. You're actually showing us <laughs> how the sausage is made, and that's what we want yeah, to do. Yeah, it's just all about if you ever want to collaboratively world build. Because if anybody who doesn't know, All My Fantasy Children is a podcast where Jeff Stormer of Party of One Podcast and I take a listener prompt and every week we create an original character and then we kind of shape the world 
based on that. We, we populate a world one character at a time and use the backstory of these characters to further develop a fictional world. And it sounds silly sometimes and the tone is light and, you know, funny, but like we do take the world building part and the storytelling part pretty seriously because it's that it's kind of like hiding a pill in a dog's medicine. <laughs> You know, like the, the the deep world building and like making a fantasy world that kind of makes sense and has things justified. Mm-hmm. We're hiding that in peanut butter of like Samuel Gord is a story about a boy who lives in a pumpkin. But like we're kind of building this fucked up society in a fantasy world that's run by this like terrible like uh, patriarchal family that rules over a city. And like but... If you want to go down that deep, you can just say that it's, oh, it's a silly pumpkin town. But if you want to get into the meat and potatoes of what you're talking about, like we're creating magic cities and like, you know, a deep lore with like a fucking universe and stuff. But if that's your kind of thing, listen, all my fancy children. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'll stop talking. No, that's okay. About- I love I love the beginning where you were talking about, well, all my fancy children is this is what I say every time I talk about AMFC. <laughs> it's true. I can, Jeff because, has taught me the elevator pitch. Oh, Jeff totally. Is, Jeff is oh, the, totally. And he's Jeff, always like, you got to have a good oh, elevator I love it. pitch. I love it. And I learned it from yep. Jeff. Everything I know that you do. I just... I know you did because when I talked to Jeff, you know, as soon as as soon as soon I said at the end, like, how can people reach you? And he, you know, he runs no, into his so spiel good. and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, he's a machine, it is, man. It is, it is. It's great. You can tell. I've he's heard it in person and I'm always like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's we, absolutely right, though. Yeah, but, exactly. But anyway. So when you when you guys first started off with this, did you think that you were going to do this world building or do you thought, do you, did you <laughs> no. think it was just going to be, Oh, we're just going to make stupid characters and hopefully somebody's going to like this. Yes. So it started off with the equation of every week we'll take a game and create a character using the game. Like we'll play like the first one is we play Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition. Mm-hmm. We roll up like gear. We roll up their skills. We ro- and then we got to the background. Ta- so we rolled up like the, we talked about the world for a while. Like we just talked about Samuel Gore, this guy who lives in a pumpkin, blah, 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 blah. But then we just went, OK, and now let's roll on a lot of tables on Dungeons and Dragons and Dungeons and Dragons find out what weapons they use, what class they are. And then the second episode, we play a Middle Earth role playing game. And then the third episode, I think we started using uh What's it called? What's that goddamn game? Oh, then we played Stars Without Number, and then it was Pathfinder. And so it's kind of after a while of basically like playing a game to make characters, we realized the part that we like was the randomized tables Mm -hmm. and how fun it is to have a decision rolled up that completely flips what you thought on its head and like the fun adventure you can go on of justifying it it's that old improv game where someone says anything and you have to go justify that Mm -hmm. you know and it it became that where samuel gord we rolled the table we're talking about this rogue and it's ha 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 ha. and then we rolled a table that was he has a child he doesn't know about and like the first episode we're like oh what we can actually like make characters with like lives oh like, the, it was that moment of, like, we're laughing, it's real stupid, and then it kind of was the first hint to us of, like, if you want, you can make serious stories. And it took us, like, 20 episodes to actually do that, mm-hmm. but it started off definitely as 
we're going to make a character use this character in your own campaign and tell us how it went and see if you like it, you know? And then eventually it became, oh my God, we're creating a universe. Mm -hmm. We're like making our own fiction every single episode. What if they all share the same world? Oh my God, then what if we can create our own lore like in Lord of the Rings and all, like, you know, George R. R. Martin stuff that we like, like, what if we made that ourselves? And then I, once again, went way overboard and now we're we're, where we're at now. (laughs) Where there's like a deep fucking lore and shit. It's it's insane. Yeah, exactly. You're like, okay, so we've got, you know, it's the whole Game of Thrones thing where it's like, okay, so you know about this land, right? Well, there's 52 <laughs> other ones and you're yep. going to have to read a lot of text to yep. get to where you want to be. And that's why in the, for if any of us who hasn't listened to our show before, you can always just jump in at episode 100 because we're now we're not going back for a while. We're gonna try not to to the original hundred episodes. We're gonna try to build completely new stuff that doesn't require like any previous listening. Nice. So we're we're trying to break. We're trying to go back to our roots and like start kind of from scratch mm-hmm. and just keep adding on to things that don't require you to like know this huge canon. Yeah, exactly. Until you get to number one hundred of that one, and then you're gonna take both worlds and you're gonna mesh them together. And then it's gonna be this even bigger world. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. It's, I'm just like, I don't, I'm just so inspired by like, you know, George R. R. Martin has a lot of fucked up stuff. I'll be real, mm-hmm. but his world is so large and thought out, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a lot of stupid shit in it that I'm like, why did you write that? <laughs> but he is, he has explanations for everything. You know, where yeah. you're like, oh, there's a city the east of those mountains. Well, those mountains are called the Bones. And the city that lives in it is this. Here's their history. And you're like, why did you write this? And it's like, because it develops the world. It's fun. I'm sure he enjoyed it very much. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I, I like that too. And I'd love, I would love one day to have a source book where people are like, oh, if you leave Purithrigil and you enter the haunted forest, you know, you can rest at the glen of borrowed souls. And you're like, oh, shit. And then you can have, a, you know what I mean? That, that level of depth is something that excites me. Mm-hmm. Some people, they fucking hate it. They're like, I don't care. <laughs> But for me, I love that if you look at the map of a place and you keep hitting zoom, you will keep seeing details that the the creators have left for you if you want to go that deep. If you don't want to, that's fine. But if you do, and that's kind of all my fantasy children, where it's like, if you want to go that deep, go ahead. There, It's there. Mm-hmm. There's tons of shit about, like, demons and the universe. But if you want to just enjoy the tales of, like, you know, ghost kids who build candles to preserve memory, that's great, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it makes me yeah, it you know? makes me think about the whole thing about you talked about about Skyrim, too. You know, it's like you can go find these old texts and they tell you even more stuff. And you're like, oh, my God. How did they take all the time to write text that, yeah. you, you know, someone that doesn't want to take the time we'll probably never see you know it's just crazy exactly but some people do mm-hmm. and they're like they love it like some a lot of people still play skyrim mm-hmm. and like they you can role play in it yeah. and like that's the kind of world where i go that is a fully formed world to me yeah where like you can just get dropped in it and you're in a different fucking place like there is value to both ways of doing it but i love the one where you like you know you touch a wall and it's like oh this is a stone wall well it's not just any stone that's the dark stone of the city of Berdin, and you're like whoa holy shit and then here's this history of their mining and you're like whoa my god that's what gets me excited and that's why all my fantasy children has become kind of what it is where it's 
you know, any detail, you can just, Jeff and I go, like, you see these, thre- I just refer to it as threads, yeah. where you see a thread and it, you can keep tugging on it and tugging on it and there is no end yeah. if you don't want it to have. Yeah, that's awesome. Is this conversation even going anywhere? Oh, totally. I always worry totally, that I'm totally just not, rambling. But I love it. I love it. Okay. I think it's great. <laughs> I feel like it's just me being like, this is why my fantasy children is the bomb. Yeah. But oh, like, I just, it's it become, is. it's something that I'm just so passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very happy with the way it's, it's kind of beginning to come out. Yeah. Like, it's just starting to become something where I'm like, yes, this is my shit. And the show itself, there's like a hundred thousand fucking up. There's a hundred and like 15 nice. pieces of media on our backlog and all of them kind of like tell this story of two people figuring out really what they want to do with their podcast yeah. as you listen. Yeah, yeah, and I and it it comes out I I think beautifully when it you know when you you know sometimes you've even gone back to find out you know what's happened to these other characters that you've made. You know, you'll go back, yeah. you'll be like, okay, you know what's what's going on with these people from the first you know few episodes and stuff like that, and trying to combine the world and stuff like that. So, you know. It's awesome that you that you thought of that. So when you when you did the whole you know tables thing and you brought any table in to you know kind of roll up characters and stuff like that, you know were there you know was it something where you were just like okay we're gonna find every single little table and we're just gonna keep going and keep going or was it something where you know eventually you got to a spot and you were like like you talk about table fables and you love that, you know, that's yeah. the thing that you always champion, you know, and it's I, on my desk. I'm holding it right yeah, now. There you go. You know, and you know, it, it must be something where eventually you just found a couple of things. You're like, obviously we're going to stick with these couple of ones because they're our favorites and it works well with what we're doing. Yeah. It's, it's because like central casting is great, but there's a lot of them that you just can't use because they're like, they're a mess because it's such an old game. <laughs> and like, it's for us, we prefer like the vaguer, the more vague, the better, mm-hmm. you know, because we don't want the tables to tell the story for us. Yeah. And a lot of the, t- a lot of tables and games, unfortunately do. Yeah. Where, like, you roll a table and it's just like, you know, your spouse of 20 years falls into a pit and dies, leaving you to... And I'm like, whoa, this is way too much. <laughs> I would love a table that's just like, you know, we love the events ones where it's like a romantic event occurs. You know, you get married and you're like, oh, cool. I can go from there. And Table Fables has a lot of, um, like, kind of blank slate ones where mm-hmm. it's just like... And it there's a hundred adventures you can start, like a quest, and they're all like an ogre attacks a town and steals ten children. You have to get them back. And you're like, I can work with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And, like, we're still always looking for more tables, but we're kind of always changing the format of the show. Like, for about fucking 20 episodes, we do nothing but central casting and table fables to tell the entire story. Where now, Jeff and I go, we start and we go, what are you thinking? What are your initial thoughts has been, like, our phrase for the last, like, 15. Where we go, what are your initial thoughts about that prompt? Mm -hmm. And then we go from there, and if we need tables to kind of give us a little oomph or like flesh out of detail we'll use them Mm -hmm. but now it's like now it's like we don't kind of not that we don't have to but like it's now if we need to we will Mm -hmm. because a lot of the times it's it's hard because also the tables make it hard oh my god (laughs) there have been episodes where like you roll you know it's It'll be like, oh, this character is a shopkeeper. All right, let's see what their adventure is. God, slay. You are the slayer, the ancestral holder of the dragon blade. Your duty is to slay every dragon in the world. You're like, 
Oh my god, we wanted to tell the story of a shopkeeper. Okay, so they're a dragon slayer. Um, and so like you know you have to pump the brakes and like now we have learned like you use them as a re. It's like the it's when we talked about game mechanics before. It's like you use them when you need them. Mm-hmm. They're not the defining thing that like is the structure of the show because otherwise it's literally every story is just going to be completely random. Mm-hmm. And when we really want the story to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's fucking hard <laughs> with those tables. I can only edit out so much silence of Jeff and I with their head in our hands going, okay, okay, so we said, okay, so we said, like, you know, it's, so <laughs> the tables are great, but God, they fucking can complicate a lot of stories. Yeah, no kidding. So it was, have there been any points when you've done any of that stuff and you're going, I can't do this. I can't, this, yes. I, I can't work this out. Yes. Absolutely. We have, well, I mean, like, we've done, we've done episodes that we just hated so much that we stopped (laughs) mid-episode. And, like, we just were like, this is fucking awful. There is one about some dwarf florist, like, God, two years ago that just sucked on ice. It was so (laughs) bad. And, like, during it, like, you know, we can tell. We're just not enthusiastic. We're not, we don't love the prompt. We learned from that episode, if the prompt has too much information, we can't use it because the story is already told in the prompt. We have nowhere to go. Or if the prompt has a joke in it or is a joke, it's like, how many times can we rehash the joke Mm -hmm. before it's not funny and just has nowhere to go? So, yes, we have tons of times (laughs) been, like, yeah, so there's a lot of times where we've just gone like, okay, we'll take a second, and we, you know, you. That's where I, in my head, I refer to it as the game of questions begins, mm-hmm. where a lot of times I'll just get lost. And in improv, you're not supposed to resort to questions, mm-hmm. but in our set, in our case, it's very helpful sometimes because I need to know what Jeff is thinking, and Jeff mm-hmm. needs to know if Jeff has nothing, you know, or I have nothing. You can always ask the other person like. Okay, so how are just a little vague thing that Mike you try to you try to get the ignition going, you try to jumpstart it, and so it'll be like, what kind of clothes do you think they wear? You know, do you think they wear armor? Do you think they wear normal clothes? And you'll be like, oh, I totally have been seeing them in like a knight's regalia, and you're like, oh, okay, now I'm getting a much clearer picture. Like you've hear you, you'll hear Jeff say, okay, this is getting some wheels turning, and it's usually because him and I have nothing. But one of us will ask a question that's like, or has a tiny, just a throwaway detail that's like, oh, that makes perfect sense to me. That makes so much sense. And it's it's all about that give and take and like that playing to each other's strengths and letting one, you know, grab the baton and run for as long as they need because I'm always ready to take it from them should they need to pass it. But yeah, that happens a lot. (laughs) A lot, especially when it comes to sci-fi. I it's my biggest weakness is sci-fi. Yeah, I struggle to. I I know it's like you know you can you can just say it's like you sub out magic with tech, mm-hmm. but when it comes to space travel, I am not. I don't know much about Star Wars or Star Trek, and so like my base is pretty much just Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. And I, that's always my go-to. Like, you know, my brain goes immediately to Mass Effect. I'm like, no. And it's it's always one where I just, Jeff kind of, I, I just, but that's the fun part, though, where I have learned to kind of relinquish that. And I hope I'm not just talking endlessly, but, like, oh. it's a, just a fun thing when you're, for anybody listening who, like, is building a fucking game or building a world or doing this, it's an important thing to remember to be able to relinquish the keys to the car mm-hmm. sometimes, yeah, you know, definitely. and know your strengths, know your, especially know your go-to tropes and go-to story beats. 
Because in a show where you've been doing this for a hundred over a hundred episodes, you're gonna see your habits come out real quick. Mm-hmm. And my habit is always mythical weapons, uh, a fucking giant or and a giant like power that has to be destroyed or sealed away. Because those are stories that I like. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that's what got me into fantasy was a game called Shining Force, where it's about to, a seal is broken, a demon breaks loose, and the only person who can seal the demon is a hero with a magic sword. And so I love it, but I have to know when I'm just jumping at that. You know, you can't just jump. You have to be like, okay, but what is the best choice for today? And that's and that's kind of where it's great working with someone like Jeff because Jeff has such a wellspring of a well-rounded fictional knowledge and like interest pool that he is like the perfect candidate for being like for balancing out someone who I'm a little impulsive in my storytelling where I'll just jump at the thing first thing that excites mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. and where Jeff is more to like sit in the back and like he's excited about it but he'll be like but well, what does this story need more than just like the thing that sounds the coolest you know mm-hmm. and sometimes what it needs is the thing that sounds the coolest but sometimes that's not exactly what the story needs it needs something that's more like rounds it out yeah, yeah you know yeah yeah when listening to you guys, like, it works perfectly like that because, like you said, like, I'm going to make a weird out there, like, comparison, but it's like... No, no, go ahead. It's like Jeff is, like, the cool, calculated... God, good Lord. English. Calculative. <laughs> I think that's the word. Um, I think so. Kind of like your Spock, you know, where he's got he's got all this information in his head. He knows exactly how to say it, when to say it. It, you know, comes out very smooth and clean. And you are like, like, I first thing that comes to my head, like the talking about like an orc, like you were just like, you're the most excited. You're you jump in, you know, you're just like, I don't know where this is going, but I'm just everything's gonna come out and it's all gonna just go there. And the balance you two have together, you know, just meshes well because you're both. Yeah. Even though you both have a lot of similarities, you also have a lot of differences that round it out very well that make that you know, make that story come out, you know, good. Yeah. And it's, it's been a cool thing learning from Jeff Mm -hmm. and how to step back and how to really organize your thoughts before you just like blurting them out is fun. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, there's some episodes when we're just rolling and I'm just saying the first thing that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when I I learned that if you don't have anything, it's okay to wait. And then because Jeff, like uh, initially a lot of episodes are me being like rat-a-tat-a-tat-a-tat-a-tat-a-tat. And then Jeff just drops one bomb and it's like, wow. Oh, wow. Now. And then I go, wow, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm seeing it so much clearer. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned from it happened to this episode called Conjure, where Jeff has a lot to say. And because I was just I had nothing that day and I had to sit back and really listen. And I asked him, I was like, did I contribute enough? Like, you know, was that, you know, was that okay? Was that a good episode? And he's like, I think it's one of our stronger stories. And, you know, sometimes Jeff is, of course, wise. And he's like, sometimes, you know, it's okay to just sit back and throw an idea out because that will ignite if someone's on a roll you know you gotta you're you're the gas in their car Mm -hmm. you know you don't have to be switching on and off all the time one person sometimes just has to keep throwing firewood on the fire and keeping the other person's flame going Mm -hmm. you know and sometimes you're both amped up and you're both going and like you know it's it's a give and take but it's it's a cool thing to just see how jeff works Mm -hmm. like Jeff comes at things with such an interesting point of view that I do not 
necessarily all the time. And it's there's so much to learn from it where it's mine is very impulsive and it's what I would like. And Jeff's is Jeff, I always feel like and that's, I think, what makes this show kind of work in, in a, you know, a braggadocious way. I don't mean to sound, but it, what makes it work is Jeff knows what the show needs, mm-hmm. what the episode needs. And that's my opinion. So I trust what he says complete, completely. And he knows that I know what the sh- episode needs. And so he trusts me completely. And it's very, it's, it's very fun. And that's what it's made making a lore and making this like, you know, Westeros kind of fucking world. By being like, you know, you it's a checks and balance system yeah. where I'm like, I have this idea for demons. What do you think? I don't love that, but I do love this. And you have to learn to, you know, uh, you can't be married to ideas. You know, you can't be married to these can't be precious to you. You know, they're they're precious and they're wonderful, but it's a collaborative show and making it a one sided story would be making it dishonestly. Mm-hmm. And that's something that have, I've learned over a long time of making the show that it's. You may have a million ideas, but it is important to sometimes pump the brakes and be like, but what do you think? You can completely dismantle everything I just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So when it comes to, you know, you know, where you're making these characters and then finally, you know, you've realized that this world is developing and everyone lives in it and, you know, characters are affecting other characters and stuff like that. Is it something where, you know... Are there times where you're one at one or you one one of you or both of you are just like, okay, you know, we want to do something within this world, but we can't because it just doesn't fit. Or are there some parts where you're like, okay, this might kind of break the world that we have right now, but it's something that we need. It's something that we need to have within this world. That is an interesting question because we have always found that um... – I've, I'm always a person to try to figure out how to make it work. You can you can make anything work because it's your own fiction. Um, you know, if we say that fantasy has cell phones, it does. You know, I don't have to justify it. I, it's ours. Yeah. You know, I don't. If we if we want to, then we go okay. Based on what we have, it's the same game that you play when you make a character where you say a thing and then you have to justify it. If I say, all right, so, you know, Samuel Gord's sitting at home watching TV. If someone would be like, well, how the fuck is their TV? It'd be like, okay, that's the new game is figuring out how the television fits in the world. And since it's our fiction, you can make it whatever you want. You know, like fucking the the phrase magic in fantasy is the go-to for everything. You know, a wizard did it is like the ancient Simpsons thing that's like, I don't know, a wizard did it because it's it's true, though. Jeff has, Jeff has shown me that where it's like you don't have to – you can make anything work. There's never been a thing where I'm like, well, I've said like I want to do this. How can we make it work? And Jeff and I are like, you just put it in, you know, and you explain it and you you work it out yourself. But you can make anything work in your own fiction. If I'm playing – you know, if I'm playing the Middle Earth role playing game, no, my character cannot whip out a flip phone and make a quick call because it doesn't fit in that realm of fiction. But if it's our own, and that's the fun of making the show, is you're completely free to make any choice, but be ready to justify it with world building notes and bits of bits and pieces of what's previously established. And it's the same thing with creating a character. If you say, if it's the same thing where if you say that there are knights. If you say there are soldiers in the fiction you're creating, that means there is conflict. That means there is violence. 
You know, mm-hmm. if there's a bow and arrow, that means are people hunting? Are people fighting? Even the simplest thing requires a level of justification. You know, if people have to wear shoes or clothes, it's like, okay, so they have a general understanding that nudity, that do they have some kind of shame? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It can be as simple as that, and that you can go down a deep well to develop like a cultural note or a world building note. And it's my favorite thing about doing this is no matter what piece of tiny detail it is, there's something to mine from that. You know, the fact that there are castles in a world means that like, okay, there are, that means there are some that have and some that don't unless everyone lives in a castle. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's little things like that that make world building so cool where you can keep asking tiny questions to challenge what because there's so much that we just assume when we build fiction that just go it goes without saying that there's going to be castles and horses and people ride those horses to get from place to place you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that means that people broke horses and learn to ride it's the same thing where like you know your character in D D, like if you were to play a game you know you roll on skills and feats you know, you your character knows how to use a sword. They have a, we call it a proficiency. Mm-hmm. That's training. That's like formal training. Or is it like combat forged experience and they're just like a raw swords wielder? You know, like there's tiny details. And that's kind of all, all my fantasy children has ever been mm-hmm. is asking those questions and seeing where it takes you. Yeah. Is seeing like what that tiny piece of thread when you keep tugging on it. You know, because when you're building your own world, Jeff and I keep going like, Okay, we're talking a lot about, like, it's the one thing that we we started a long time ago where we're like, a lot of fantasy has bigotry in it. And we were like, why? And it's like, you know, a lot of people make their fantasy to have a one-to-one ratio with the real world a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. And we were like, how can we avoid that at every turn? Having a one-to-one comparison with, like, cultures and, you know, how people get along. And it's been a fun game, and it truly can... Asking those kind of questions can make you really make something original, mm-hmm. you know, and that's something we've been after since the very beginning is making something that fucking no one else has because we bring so much of ourselves to it like no one else can claim it. It's no one else's but Jeff and I's. Yeah, yeah. And then I think that's kind of how like hacks developed because it's like, you know, someone probably questioned something in Dungeons and Dragons or something like that was like this. Why does this have to be like this? You know, it's exactly. Like, I don't exactly. Need, I don't need it to be like that. Like I, I think it's, at, at one point I had I had somebody that I knew, and I don't know if it was somebody online or somebody around here that were like, "I want to play Dungeons and Dragons, but I want to avoid conflict. How can we do that?" And I'm like, "Wow!" And you can. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's you interesting. Can. You can. You just have to ask a ton of cool questions yeah. and like really go down this well. And it's it's the same thing that like it's. Excuse me. It's why all these like Power by the Apocalypse games got made. It's it's because all these people were asking questions of like, but how can we change what we already know? Mm-hmm. You know, like people thought for fucking a million years that Dungeons and Dragons was the only fucking fantasy dungeon crawler type game you could possibly play. But because people broke down what it means to, you know, justify conflict, like the way Power by the Apocalypse kind of explains how a fight works is because people went down this well of, like, questioning things of what we already know. And it's kind of all all my fantasy children is, except in the world-building department, where it's how much of your fantasy and your your original work are you just basing off of things you already know? Mm -hmm. You know, how much are you pulling from your own life, or are you 
you know, we I shamelessly pull things from like anime and fiction that I already love, but I'll be very upfront with it yeah. and I'll realize why I like it and things I love from it and I don't and you break it down and you pick apart it and you take the things you do like and you leave the junk by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. And you can always tell like regardless of what you where you are and what you play, like, you know, any kind of game, you can tell what parts are you and what parts are not you. You yes. know, like um, the other, uh, just recently, just because I wanted to make sure I had, you know, reference on some things, I listened to your, uh, you and Jeff's uh, Party of One episode where you did the, uh, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's roll so i can have shoes or whatever that yes roll to see if you have shoes on or something yeah exactly it's it's a crazy game yeah and you know like and i already kind of knew this but then you know listening to this episode like i can tell you know jeff likes a lot of sci-fi stuff but i also know that he likes a lot of like 80s tropes and yes oh yes yeah and this that game was just perfect because it was a lot of you reacting to the stuff that he was putting in and it was like an 80s action movie and you know talking about why can't things be this way and that way you even had a part where it was like uh you were gonna pay somebody using venmo and and jeff's like um you're in the 80s that hasn't been invented been invented yet you know and cell phones haven't really been so you're gonna have this big zach morris phone and you're gonna do venmo but then people are the other people are gonna be like what the hell's going on because they've never seen that before you know yes and uh you know it just i think we all kind of have pieces of what we love and who we are and put it into certain things that we make you know and it's of course it's definitely obvious with you know what you guys do and it's you can tell that you love it because you know you're so excited about it and how you how you perceive how the world is yeah it's what makes um it's what makes fiction for me i like is when not necessarily all the time when you can see interests of the author of the creator you know and you see bits of them in it you know where they're not completely hidden behind the pen or the voice at all like you know it's been a it's been a big part of our show where it's like the joy of all my fantasy children is sitting down and talking with jeff and like so we've added parts of it that are like our hometown that are some characters are based on like our friends our family they're named after people we know and it's part of it where it's like no we're doing this because we want to because you can and that's our style is just like you do whatever the fuck you want and then you make sense of it later you know and as long as you make sense of it later anything goes you know if you say that there are ghosts you better be ready to explain why there are ghosts in your fantasy world and it's a really it's it's the joy of you get to kind of I've always thought of it as you get to sit at a table with Jeff and I and you're like the silent passenger in the back seat as Jeff and I drive you on this adventure and we chat about a character and laugh and like, you know, wouldn't it be funny if or wouldn't it be cool if and you're just that third person with us hanging out just like, you know, bringing yourself to it. And that's what makes for me it's my favorite kind of fiction. Is when I go, oh man, I love that that you wrote about that tropical place because I know that they were in Florida when they wrote that, mm-hmm. or I lo- I love they were in the Bahamas when they wrote that chapter of the book, or they were going through this in their life when they wrote it, and that's why like 
my 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 only example that I'll share with you, and I'm sorry if I'm rambling again. No, you're not. Is there's a there's an element in fi- and, uh, Final Fantasy in all my fantasy children. <laughs> Um, where there's a culture, uh, there's a race of people called the Beast Folk, and they're very long-lived, like the longest of anyone, and as they age, their memories fade, and like they lose who they are, and the only way to bring them back is by giving them a token that has that's from their past, and that'll bring them back. It recharges their memories, because for me, I wrote that when my, my grandfather was going through his entire memory loss and lo- dementia and this battle battle, and it was hard, and I was watching my dad struggle with it and so i wrote this thing of like what if there was a way to bring someone back with the wonderful world of fantasy magic what if you could restore that person by just having them touch a memento a picture of them or like you know an old baseball bat that they used to use they touch it and boom magically charges hey welcome back you know and it's that kind of thing where it's you know it's I love looking back on that and being like when that lore piece comes up being like I know exactly where I was when I wrote that and it came from an honest place that was a part it's a part of me now you know that that lore building note the beast folk and all that it's a part of you and it makes for me making all my fantasy children that much more of a satisfying experience knowing that Jeff and I are unabashedly putting ourselves and our insecurities and our sadness and our struggles and our joys and our triumphs in a fictional world, hoping that other people go, oh, man, I feel that. I have fucking been there. Mm-hmm. That sucks. That's rough. But I feel a little better because it's magic, because it's – I see what you're doing. And it's like Jeff and I – Jeff refers to it as it's an optimistic world where anything is possible because of magic, where a world without hatred and happiness is possible because magic and – just because it is it's a world without problems because there are problems but there's no like inherent bigotry or you know of any kind just because Mm -hmm. and we it's optimistic and it feels good to make and it's something i'm just very proud of about the show and i'm not boasting it's just i i want more i wish more people would be comfortable enough i know it's a tough thing to ask Mm -hmm. of people to be like bring facets of yourself to your work that might scare you. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't always have to share them right away, but it is good to think about that. Like, it was very hard for me to write out, like, how am I going to write about this? Mm-hmm. You know, how I was on the train going to visit, and I was like, how am I going to write about this? And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to write that Big Jeremy's dad doesn't even know who his son is anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and it sucked. And I was like, this is very sad. But I was like, it's safe because magic. It allows me to approach things that kind of scare me because I always have a safety net of being like, it's just fiction and we can make it right using magic. And it's a it's a fun thing that I've I so enjoy with this show is, you know, we talk about things that are like, you know, affecting us. But, you know, we like we said, we hide the pill in the peanut butter by being like magic and pumpkins, you know, (laughs) and that's kind of been our approach the whole time is just to be like. I hope people listen to it and go, oh, I know what you're talking about, but it was funny. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, because a lot of people are like, that show's real funny. Like, you guys are real stupid, and it's about, like, talking beavers and shit. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes it's about talking beavers, but, like, not all the time. But, like, I'm glad you're enjoying it. But a lot of it is about, like, you know, struggles that we go through and struggles that our friends and family go through. But, you know, it's easier to approach if you use magic. Yeah, definitely. So you've you've done these tons of episodes and you've 
finished this world and now you're restarting anew? Was it something that that was, you know, finally you guys were like, it's about time? Was it something that you struggled <laughs> with and you were kind of like, I don't know if this is such a great idea, you know, you know, it, it, you know, just just when you were talking, you know, it's you know, you put a lot of your guys's own, you know, selves into this. So, you know, was it is it was it hard to move on to the next thing? Well, we're making it very distinct that we're like we're moving on in the way of uh, we want to get back to that fun of not being tied to canon. <clears throat> this idea of canon like, oh, you know, if I were to say like, oh, they're a necromancer and they're evil. I don't want to have to be like, oh, well, we did establish that necromancers aren't bad in our world. Mm-hmm. Damn it. So we want to get back to that. Like we want to it's still the same world and it's still the same thing. I described it as the observable universe kind of thing where like if you still stand on the roof of your house you can only see so far but if you get at the edge of your neighborhood and stand on that house's roof you can see even farther so Mm -hmm. we're just visiting distant regions of the world we've already established that may not have been affected by anything that we've talked about so far nice and we can always go back if we want to talk about like the first continent you know the first region that we discussed but it's kind of just further establishing a world that is so infinitely expansive because it can be if we want it to be yeah. that we're saying like it's just that big this is just a different city that we haven't talked about yet you know this is like the new episode that is going to be out friday is about a race of people called the aeronauts that are basically like they're cloud like people who live in a float like a floating flotilla city and you know they have these four there's these four ancestral blades that call that cast wind wall and when they cast them together it makes this shell around the city and like what if one of them is separated what does that mean for the city but it's like it's not about anything that we've talked about before but it still is that fun of developing a world in fantasy where there are kind of no rules or limitations we just wanted to get back to i this is i mean this is me i asked jeff (laughs) if it were okay to start working with less limitations with like because i i felt that for a time we had been i had been following i don't say we i had been following into a hole where i was being limited my choices by our own canon Mm mm-hmm and so I was like, what if we broke away from that and just started talking about places that have nothing to do with the places we've been to yet? And Jeff was like, yeah, sure, fine. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I'm very much the one who's like, but Jeff, like, this matters so much. And Jeff is like, yeah, it'll be great. We'll just, yeah, we'll do it. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> exactly. You were like, here's here's 15 bullet points on why we need to move on. And Jeff's like, okay. Yeah. Damn it, I it's, did all yeah. this work for nothing. Pretty much. It's me stressing out nonstop about being like, because I just felt like I was pigeonholing myself by we spent so long. We worked so hard. We had this really cool canon. And I felt like it was closing in on me every time I had ideas instead of freeing them up. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, why don't we just keep expanding on things we don't know? And then maybe we'll get back to the old stuff and keep building on it. You know, it's kind of the joy of the show is what it is. It's whatever we feel like doing that day. Yeah. Is what I'm, we're getting back to now, I yeah. think. That's awesome. So I know the title of this episode. The title of this episode is Aaron Needs to Be Less Stressed Out. That's going to be the oh, title. Oh, God, I wish. I lived <laughs> to stress. I lived. If I ain't stressing, I ain't living. I, you know, I it's 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 a problem I have. And I, I hate generalizing about being like, it's a problem all creative people have. No, but it's I always just... I want more, and that's yeah. a problem. It sounds inherently bad, but no, I, don't think so. I I get a thing, and I go like, oh, that was really fun. 
Ooh, yeah. but what else can I squeeze? How much juice can I squeeze out of everything is kind of my thought process on stuff. Yeah. And just I love making fiction. I think it's the coolest and most fun thing in the world. And I, you know, I want to do a good job. I love knowing that people listen to the show and be like, you know, this show made me think about a lot of shit that I that made me feel really good or really sad, but like in a good way, in a in a easily contained and easily consumed, easily digested way. And I'm like, good, that that makes me feel so happy. But then my brain goes, okay, so now we gotta go in this direction, and we gotta, you know, I I try to always keep moving. Mm-hmm. It's kind of and that creates stress when I'm not moving. I start stressing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, also- but I don't want to get yeah. It's no, a hard one. No, it's fine. Well, and also, I think if you're not if you're not stressed out, it means you're not caring. So that's. I know, but that, that's but that is an, that's inherently so flawed. But it's unfortunately how I see it. Where it's like, mm-hmm. if I'm not worried about it, it must not matter. Okay. Which is which is wrong. Which I, I <laughs> I'm trying to struggle. I'm I'm struggling and figuring out. I'm getting better at it mm-hmm. to find comfort. And be like, I did work today. I edited 20 minutes of the new episode. Mm-hmm. It was several hours. And I go, it's okay to step away from audacity, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I just ordered pad thai before this came. And I'm like, I should really go to the grocery store. I'm stressing out. Like, but I have to be back by nine. I'm like, I'm just going to order fucking pad thai. Shut up. <laughs> like, you know, it's it's it becomes everything is a new fire to put out. And there's no fire. But it, you know, you kind of, I've convinced myself that there are so many fires to put out and it's, and I know it comes from this mentality that it is a race, Mm -hmm. that it is, if I work harder, I'll get more results and I'll get the results that I, when it's, which is just a a flawed way of thinking to begin with. But yeah, I'm getting better at that. But that's, that's why I, you know, I, I think about this fucking show like all day, every day, because I'm so, I love it so much, but I have, I've had to learn to develop a healthy way of loving it. And I have. And it feels good, but it's taken 115 fucking pieces of audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's a long, tedious process, but you can again the whole. I love the fact that you think about you say you think about it all the time. That means you love it incessantly, and that's that's a good way to be when it comes to something that you're creating. Yeah, yeah. So wow, this was awesome. I mean, you you think you think it was a lot of rambling. I think it was a lot of lot of less time for me to talk so i love that that was a lot of fun perfect um but no this is great i love love having you on again and actually talking about fancy building and stuff like that it's just it was a lot of fun good i'm good i hope i made some decent points about like how to i think i did i think oh I did. you, sh- you I totally hope i did. did you totally did okay good yeah. okay good. Well, well how about this how about this well this is this is probably gonna be a little over an hour so if it turns out to be like a half an hour when i put it out that means you didn't do a very good job Okay, perfect. (laughs) That sounds good. It's great. It's great. great. Um, So, Aaron, if anybody if anybody wants to help support you in any way, all all the things that you do, why don't you let people know how they can do that? Okay, so first you can follow me at Aaron Catanosias on Twitter. You can follow all of my fantasy children at AMFC underscore podcast. You can find us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, or go to allmyfantasychildren.com. You can back my Patreon at patreon.com slash Saez. And there you can just like enjoy all my fantasy children is pretty much the best thing to do. And let me know what you think. That's the thing. A big point that I always want to hammer home is like if you're enjoying the work of people who are not fucking full-time creators, you know, balling out. 
you know, big time names and big time indie creators, for lack of a better term. If you're enjoying indie creators work, let them know what you think and why you love it, because you'd be surprised how little feedback we receive and how much that can mean to someone, you know? Yeah, definitely. I definitely agree with that. That's the reason why I wanted to have you on to say thank you for all the hours of awesome content that you and Jeff put out with this episode. Oh, fuck. Um, also, Thank you. it's so nice. Well, you it's know, so nice. and, and the, you know, one of the reasons why I I like to give back to people that are so awesome, like when you know, the last time me and you were able to, me and you were able to talk not online and on the the Twitterverse, uh, I, we saw you at Gen Con a couple of years ago, and you recognized us right away, and you're like, ah, it's you guys, you know, like of course, even, and even if you didn't like. You thought my name was like George. Like the just the fact that you did that puts so much, you know, it makes me feel good because it's like I'm actually doing something. So it I course, understand yeah. I understand your thing where it's like, you know, you go on Twitter, you say at the end of your show, you're like, you know, here's we're putting out some positive vibes for you. Now, if you just would take five minutes out of your time to tell us how much you, you know, like this, or you know, if there's something you didn't like. You know, it's it's nice to get that because every once in a while, just, you know, a little voice coming from wherever it may be, you know, it it validates you and goes, you know, it it puts some of those voices in your head to sleep. Like, it's like, okay, I've I've done the thing that I am. I, I, you know, this thing that I'm proud of, somebody is absolutely. And it's it's important. Like I always say, I remember who retweets the work that I make. Mm -hmm. I remember all the people (laughs) who are always out and I retweet the work that they make. It's Mm -hmm. about building a team. Like it's not about fucking like people being stepping stones. It's like people you believe in fucking support their work. It takes literally one second because all you got to do is click that green middle button on Twitter Mm -hmm. and it gets more people to see that they're making something. And it's that little gesture means so much. And you remember who's been on your fucking team for years and people who are on your team for the wrong reasons. And, you know, it's good to just have people like you around who are just like genuinely good people who want to see the people, the work they know and like and respect succeed. It's mm-hmm. cool. It's amazing. And more people just need to be like you. Honestly, <laughs> oh. that sounds like it sounds ridiculous. It sounds that like flattery, sound like <laughs> but it's true. It's just if people knew the impact of not passively supporting something, mm-hmm. you know, and just being like, yeah, I liked it. Or it's like, okay, well, retweet it. Tell someone about the mm-hmm. show if you really liked it. Yeah. Because, you know, you have no problem telling people how much you liked the last fucking Star Wars movie. <laughs> but no shit. <laughs> but, like, fucking 100 people listened to this and 2 billion people saw Star Wars. So mm-hmm. help the fucking 100, the person with 100 people out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's tough out there in 2019. Mm-hmm. We got to do everything yeah, we can to help each other out. That's right. And that's the space we like to be in. So. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks again to Aaron for coming on. Um, hopefully we'll have a nice, nice little nugget of awesome content for you next time too. But again, thanks to Aaron. I'm going to just keep saying that. I always do that at the end. I'm That's always fine. like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much because I don't know how to end things. But uh, <laughs> until next time, I'm Kurt and thanks for listening. This was the MFG cast. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends I go and I'm <clears throat> I'm looking up stuff, you know, and I'm like, you know, I want to 
you know, check out the uh, Party of One episodes that you're on. So I listen to those and stuff like that. And I, I, I re-listened to one just because I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard this one already. But I had to re-listen to it because I like listening to fun stuff. And uh, I go and I look you up and I see that you're on IMDb as being in a movie. What's up with that? It's uh, there's an a sci-fi there's an indie sci-fi film from New Zealand that I was a voice actor in <laughs> that is supposed to come out in 2019 at some point, but I don't know when. Nice. But it's uh, yeah, it's about it's like aliens or something, and they was well, about aliens like judging Earth to see if they're worthy of joining this you know, Federation and they're like space cops or something. And I pretty much dubbed one of the alien voices. The person in the poster on the IMDP on the IMDP page, that's me in that movie The Peacemakers. <laughs> that's my character. That's and awesome. I voiced it. <laughs> and, yeah. and it. And it's funny that all of a sudden you're like, okay, so the one thing that I'm actually doing, this one movie that I'm doing that I really don't know anything about the genre is sci-fi. So you're doing a sci-fi that you really don't. Anything. How did this happen? What? How did this uh, drop just, into your life? I auditioned for it. I saw that they they were accepting submissions for voice actors to be in this movie, and I was like, uh, yeah. And it was like, oh, indie sci-fi film, blah blah. And I was like, I can fucking do that. <laughs> and I play Private Black, this alien who's all decked out in a he's decked out in a suit with like a green face and a top hat. And he's like the bumbling sidekick who becomes the hero. Awesome! It's 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 in. I I want. I can't wait for it to come out, but I don't know when that is. I gotta hit up my New Zealand contact. Oh jeez! So is it animated? Uh, no, it's not. But the aliens have like wrapped faces, like mummies, and so when their mouths are like a little sound frequency wave. It's 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 complicated. I can send you the trailer. There's awesome. a trailer. If you want to check out the trailer, put in the Peacemakers movie into YouTube. Awesome. I'm going to do that because <laughs> I'm so excited to see what kind of craziness you got yourself into. I love that. Yep. So what else? So wh- where are you going to go from here? Are you going to go? Are you going to do like Star Trek fan fiction from here? Are you going to do something like that maybe? I would if they pay. If people pay me, I'll fucking do anything. <laughs> exactly. You show me a little people scratch. I'll me. do. Yeah, I don't care. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Peacemakers was a great time, you know, sci-fi because you know they paid me. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. 